What's up, guys? Our Wrestling Podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Justin's Total Package, Craig the British Bulldog, and Cuz, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Today's topic, the legacy of The Undertaker from 86 to 99. For audio fans, give us a list on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at iWrestling Channel. On social media, can you give Cuz the solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWB2019 or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. Jess, this seems long overdue, but it is the 200, is it not? This is our 200th episode. Our 200th episode. We've actually done more than 200, but of the numbered episodes. Sweet. This is our 200th episode. It's over three years we've been doing this. And uh, so when we did the 100th episode, I did Hogan, the Legacy of Hogan. Oh and I want to do the whole thing. And I, and I don't want to do like five-hour episodes. So I was struggling. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll just do the years. I'll do his WWF years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then after we did it, I didn't like it. Not from it, you know, just a combination. I didn't like it. And I was annoyed with myself. With the I said I some things and just didn't like it. That's Frank not, said some fine. shit. And it was like, I swear to God, I think I think the episode's like two and a half hours. I'm not even kidding. Uh, without even yeah, so I was I was not happy with it at all. And uh, but then I was like, I will never do that again for a 100th or 200th. Or and how many episode. pages? How many pages are here? Just, you know. I, I but then I but then cousin and I were talking. I was like, let's do Sting. We'll do Sting. But then I was like, that's just as long as you know somebody else. So I was like, you know what? Let's wait for Sting. Let's do the Undertaker. Like he he's a worthy 200th episode. And I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a full fucking legacy. I'm not going to do this year to that year. And then I got like through writing it. And I was like, and we're going to do 86 and 99 because this fucking shit's long. So he's that's had a long career. Uh, in case anybody uh, forgot that he had a long career, so that's fine. Apparently, our 100th. Our hundredth episode, no matter what it is, will always be a legacy of a uh, year to year. I will never oh, do a complete. I mean, in fact, for the uh, OWP diehard fans out there, the oh OWP marks when we were doing our practice runs, didn't we do like a? Wasn't it like in? Four we did the parts? streak because we we did. Oh, did we do we the, did streak? the streak? Yeah, we did the streak. God. Yeah, and we did that, and I think that was still done in like two or three episodes. Yeah, we yeah, did that. We did we did that in your house, cause for like three weeks, it took forever hey, trying to get shit. through it. Yeah. So now he's God, out yeah. to light. Our 200th episode is the legacy of the Undertaker, at least the first portion of his career. Uh, I purposely stopped right before the American Badass. Um, so we're going to cover uh, his beginning years and then the Dead Man going through. Obviously, yeah. he came back as the Dead Man later in 2004 at WrestleMania 20. Yeah. But uh, with that's another. But when mark. you when you think about Taker's you know his career, like he he predates stuff under like Dusty. He he was around during Dusty days. And Flair days and WCW, and then comes here under Hogan era, and and then just keeps going. And he he really just stopped wrestling what two years ago? Yeah, about, was about 40, yeah. sort 40 of. Um, he was sort of. Uh, yeah, he was sort of um, like the last bridge of like the because the eight rocking eighties era was dying. In like 91, 92. We didn't really know in 90, 91. But he was wrestling was before that too. That's but he thing. came in He came in, in 1990. So he mm -hmm. was at the tail end. I think we've talked about in other episodes before. Where yeah. he he wrestled in the same promotion as like Roberts and Piper and Hogan and Savage. And uh, it was the end of that rockin' wrestling that was dying. Yeah, he, he worked for Fritz right von Eric. He had the Sportatorium. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like he, we, I forget the connection that he has. And like, then, and again, like he was at the end of our fandom as kids because like he came in 1990 we were in junior high 
sixth grade. Yeah. Like at that time too, some of us were, I think Craig was in junior high. We were in sixth grade in 90 or something like that or seventh grade. So um, like he came in at the end. We knew him as one of the characters that was the WWF traveling show. That was the rock in eighties into the early nineties kind of thing. And then yeah. everything changed like three years after he joined the promotion because wrestling audience changed attitude era started later and all that. But we're going to get into a lot of that actually. But uh, yeah, Taker's been around a long, long time and, I did not like his gimmick at all when he first debuted. Um, oh, we, I'm a we, boo, we booed him as much as we could. Cuz was there. We well, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite because Hogan can hulk up and no sell all he wants because I'm a Hogan fan. Brother. Uh, but uh, if Undertaker did it, I was yeah. like, this is stupid. This See? is dumb. Like, why would you do shit. that? You know who loved the Undertaker from, since day one? Vince? My, my mother. Jess's mother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kathy. We mom, love too. you. Hope you're well. Oh, oh, really? My mom's the same way. Yeah, my mom. That's her favorite. Taker! Yeah. I love the Undertaker. Let's jump. Let's just jump right into the early career. Mark William Calloway was born in Houston, Texas, on March twenty fourth, nineteen sixty five. The son of Frank Compton Calloway and Betty Catherine Truby. He has four older brothers named David, Michael, Paul, and Timothy. He attended Waltrip High School, where he was a member of the football and basketball teams. He graduated in nineteen eighty three and began studying on a basketball scholarship at Angelina College in Lufkin. Texas. In nineteen eighty five, he rolled he enrolled in Texas Wasteland University in Fort Worth, where he majored in sports management and played as a center for the Rams in the nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty six season. Not those pro Rams, get it right. In nineteen eighty six, Callaway dropped out of university to focus on a career in sports and briefly considered playing professional basketball in Europe before deciding to focus on professional wrestling. Let's get into that pro wrestling. From 87 to 1990, Callaway... You'll never make it, kid. never make it in basketball. That's true. Callaway began training under Boyce. he became the locker room leader in the NBA? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Scotty Pippen, you're putting Michael Jordan... NBA court. (laughs) Basketball court back there. Basketball court. Larry Bird, you're putting Jordan over tonight. Taker Taker could never dunk. Come on. Taker. JBL bullying the point guards. Uh, Mark Calloway began training under Buzz Sawyer in the late 1986 year. He disliked Sawyer, who reportedly lacked commitment and provided limited education. What do you mean, Jess? Buzz Sawyer, like, God. Actually, if you go back and watch, uh, Buzz Sawyer was a fucking fantastic seller and bumper. He was amazing. And I go back and watch some of his shit, and I'm like, good God, man. Like, he did some crazy stuff. But I guess... He conned people a lot out of their money. He offered to train people, and he would con them out of money. And they would go up and knock on his door, and he would fucking answer his door in his underwear and shit, hung over, and be like, what? Nah, we can't train today. We're not training today. And it was like this the same every day. So Undertaker, unfortunately, was one of his victims, probably gave him some dough. Uh, You know, help me out. You know, I'll ride with you. You'll educate me. And then Buzz just never – he just took advantage of young people, which totally sucks. Like – um, especially in wrestling back in the days, this days here, you know, you hear Mick Foley, you hear Austin, you hear uh, Taker, uh, Austin, you know, there was a, a period where all he ate every day for a meal was potatoes. fucking raw potatoes and fucking tuna. And yeah. he slept raw on the floor and, and all that stuff. You know, you're giving your money to people like here, you know, I, I have 30 bucks left, but here, if that gets me training, let's do training for 30 bucks. And you got someone like Buzz Sawyer that fucking takes advantage. That sucks, man. Like... <laughs> And then for the next 20 years after Undertaker made it, Buzz Sawyer's probably like, hey, I trained the Undertaker. Yep, yeah, three grand. Oh, but see, imagine like the likes of Ken Shamrock and Undertaker. Like he could have, if he would have just stuck with it, you know, and fucking. Right, uh, didn't you say two that? Oh, did he Shamrock do Ken Shamrock too, Buzz Sawyer? Yeah, Ken Shamrock. Oh, shit. Well. 
Wow. He could have. Uh, he could have. Well, and Shamrock was off. Shamrock was a wrestler before he was an MMA fighter. Everyone yeah, thinks exactly. he went to yeah. MMA to wrestling, but Shamrock wrestled indies yeah. long before that. Yeah, yeah. He was more. Why, why he's so good? MMA. You're like, why is he so good? Because he fucking did he it first. Yeah. 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 Uh, Callaway learned on the job. Thereafter, performing under a mask as Texas Red, Callaway wrestled his first match on June 26, so 1987 for World Class Championship Wrestling, losing to Bruiser Brody at the Dallas Sportatorium. First, on my right in the red corner, weighing in at 315 pounds from the Lone Star State, Percy Pringle presents Texas Red. And his opponent tonight, at 300 pounds from Santa Fe, New Mexico, after a long absence, Bruiser Brody! Welcome to the referee. In 1989, Callaway joined World Championship Wrestling, WCW, as a villain and adopted the ring name Mean Mark Callis, a name devised for him by Terry Funk. Of course, Terry Funk. My horse is sick. You look um, you look mean, Mark. And your last name is Callis. It's going to be Mark Callis. <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm sorry. I keep thinking of the family guy. It's going to be great. Give him the candy in my pocket, Mark. <laughs> you know what? I'm thinking. Where's the paper boy? I haven't seen him thinking, Mark. Yeah. So funny. He was <laughs> on to He's like, you know what I'm thinking, Mark? You should be like kind of a dead. No, never mind. Just be mean, Mark. And he's like, what? No, yeah. what were you say before that? But mostly on people. Yeah, we're not ready for that yet. We're not. <laughs> yeah. This is fine. <laughs> he being Mark, not Terry Funk, was portrayed as a sinister force wearing predominantly black ring attire and was described by announcer Jim Ross as having a fondness for pet snakes and the music of Ozzy Osbourne. I didn't know. What? WCW was so fucking trash. Like, I swear to God. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. Are you, if you're Jim Ross and you get that, they're like, all right, here's how you're going to put this new guy over. His name's Mark. He's going to be me, Mark, or whatever. He, he likes Ozzy Osbourne. Well, guys, it seems like he, he has a fondness for Ozzy Osbourne. And like, he loves listening to Ozzy Osbourne. Like, his young voice. Young Jim Ross. He's like, my God. He likes Ozzy Osbourne. And the music of Ozzy Osbourne. a crazy chain here in Atlanta, folks. And it looks like he can't. Came in on a crazy train with his pet snake right next to him. Oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> the veteran Rick Fargo to take on Mean Mark. Paul e. dangerously has something to say to you fans. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. But what he has to say might. Let's take a listen to these comments. Right here on NWA Pro Wrestling, you are about to see the greatest combination in the history of professional wrestling. Paul E. Dangerously, the modern-day Einstein, whose every word is backed up by a human destruction machine named Mean Mark Callis. I love young Jim Ross. Oh, yeah. Callis was promptly drafted into... Alfalfa hair. Yeah. Callis was promptly drafted into the Skyscrapers tag team to replace a legitimately injured Sid Vicious and made oh his debut leg. on January 3rd of 1990. I think I hurt my shoulder. Skyscrapers hurt me. Um, oh, damn it. Callis. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was going to Skyscrapers. He's like, he's like, oh, goo goo gaga. My dog just growled when I made that voice. My dog's like, over here. Mark Skyscrapers. Jackson's like, Calloway later began to question his future in WCW after being told by company booker Ole Anderson during <laughs> contract renewal discussions that nobody would ever pay money nobody to watch him perform. Money to watch him perform. <laughs> yeah. Fun this fact, from Fun fact from nobody, who... nobody paid for Ole either, by the way. Just yeah. saying. Nobody this coming from a guy nobody. who did the voice for nobody. Black Scorpion and Shockmaster. Good job, buddy. Nobody. Yeah, thanks for that. Oh, that's a, that thanks. was Black Scorpion. 
Yeah. Yeah. That too. Uh, it was in response to this that Callaway made numerous efforts to join the World Wrestling Federation, going to many links to land a meeting with Vince McMahon. So there you go. Let's get into the World Wrestling Federation from uh-huh. 1990 to Undertaker. 2020. Jeez. That's a- you will never draw times. Are we seriously <laughs> jumping to 30 years right now? Wow. Okay. Here yeah. we go. Um, I don't think we are. I think we're. I think we're stopping at a certain point before 2020. But 1999. Whoa. Uh, in October of 1990, Callaway had signed with the World Wrestling Federation to set to portray the brainchild of, of Vince McMahon that he had assigned to him, originally entitled Kane the Undertaker. Despite Callaway's perplexed, perplexed, pessimistic feelings about McMahon's gimmick idea, he was readily accepting of the role. Kane the Undertaker was characterized as a menacing uh, derivative of the Wild West Undertakers depicted in television westerns. Resulting from that, the very first edition of the Undertaker series of Dead Man Incarnations has been distinguished in external media as the Old West Mortician. Which I he- never got. I guess, like, there were some early vignettes, like in 92. Remember when he was uh, making the coffin and shit for Kamala? Yes. And he, Dude, was, in those steel- he was in a steel house, like, and he was, like, uh, you know, heating up steel and fucking hitting it with a hammer. And like I, I never so got that. I never got that the original Undertaker was like kind of like a Wild West mortician. Like I never, I don't know. Like I just that was never Death Valley. I mean, that. it's Death Valley. We should have all thought that Death Valley is. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Right in the Sounds yeah. like someone didn't do a good enough job explaining it, Vince. I'm so like, yippee ki yay, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you better get out of here before Sheriff comes around again. Mm-hmm. We're gonna take you, Kamala, in a paddy wagon. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna stay. ride into town on my stallion. And- <laughs> yeah. He, he being Mark, not Kamala, made his overall WWW on November 19th, 1990 taping of WWF Superstars, quickly defeating his very I'm first John opponent. I'm John Marston. Coco Beware. What? Coco Beware? Mario Mancini in a singles match. This match would not air, though, until his pay-per-view debut. That's not a real after, name, Mario it, After his pay-per-view debut. So he filmed... His first, yeah, he actually it, right. wrestled for WWF before Survivor Series, but it didn't air. That's right. Oh, did you hear that? That was Brother Love screamed out. Tombstone. Oh, inverted palm driver that he calls the Tombstone. Look at this. Look at the arms. R.I.P., pal. Wow. Here's the official word. I wish it was 1990 again. Yeah. Um, Callaway's official televised debut was the Survivor Series event, as we just talked about, which he was presented as the heel mystery partner of Ted DiBiase's million-dollar team. He was accompanied by his manager, Brother Love. Boy, was that short-lived. The Undertaker eliminated Coco Beware with his finisher, the Tombstone Piledriver. We just talked about this two weeks ago, that Coco was the first person to ever take the Tombstone Piledriver. Oh, birds. What an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you get. Birds! No birds, sorry. No birds! No birds. (laughs) You gotta go back and watch that episode to understand the inside joke. Um, Yeah, Andre's scared of birds, apparently. Um, So, during the match, the Undertaker also eliminated Dusty Rose before being counted out. However, his team won the match, with DiBiase being the sole survivor. During the match, Callaway was referred to simply as The Undertaker, omitting the portion Kane, which was dropped shortly after the event. 
In February of 91, Brother Love delegated his short-lived management role of The Undertaker over to Paul Bearer, who was a real-life funeral director. Love communicating the need for someone to better align with The Undertaker's dead man themes. And really quick, um, I know it's not a, a talking point in our notes real quick, but Bruce really loved the name Kane, Pritchard. And yeah. so that's why he was Kane, the Undertaker, in the first early tapings. And then after a while, Vince was like, it's a mouthful. I don't want to say it. Let's just call him the Undertaker. Just call him the Undertaker. So we'll talk about somebody later who debuted years later. As and Kane. he became he became Kane. And like, so because Bruce never let it go. He's like, Kane will fit in somewhere. And so and like, he was right. Years, in 1997, yeah. a character came Kane. So but a lot of people don't know that the original name for Undertaker was Kane, the Undertaker, which is crazy. Kane. If that would have stuck, like they probably would have shortened it. He's just Kane. So Undertaker oh, would have been Kane, if you think about it. Like, wow. Weird. And then yeah. Kane would have been the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Histrionic, wailing, and ghostly in character, Bearer complimented the Undertaker and was almost always seen burying an urn, which he raised to the air to Suck transmit supernatural cow, healing powers to the Undertaker. Rich this cow. typically resulted in the Undertaker recovering from attacks and counterattacking his adversary. His, his oh, adversaries. is that what they are saying? But we were so opposite ends of the spectrum. Paul Bearer had the creepy, squeaky, loud voice. And then I didn't say much, but when I did, it was low, slow. Rest in peace. Paul could do the gist of the interviews, and then I could come in at the end. It was such a contrast. It was worked out great. That's what they said. He's um, back, That's what she wrote. During his early years, The Undertaker took to post-match ritual of placing his defeated opponents, almost always those jobbers, those prelims, in a body bag and carrying them backstage. Gosh, I don't remember that. No, neither Dang. do I. Really? Mm. It led to wild. a program with The Warrior we'll read on later, too. They actually yeah. had body bag matches around the country. Oh, so good. The Undertaker's first major moment was defeating Jimmy Superfly Snuka at WrestleMania 7 on March 24th, 1991. It was where the famous streak was born without anyone noticing. What streak are you talking about, Craig? Nothing. Huh? He well, once fasted for 21 years. That's not true. <laughs> uh, the so the WrestleMania streak. streak. He won I'm dominoes in the back for 21 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. They played cards for 21 oh. years in the back before mm -hmm. matches. Andre. That'd be so fun if, like, Snooker would have gone over or, like, or politic to, like, no, I, no, I don't like, want to go over. I, not even that. I say this all the time where, like, well, I got the giant Gonzalez one stands me? out like normal. They're, before they really re – I don't think they realized until Flair, when he took on Flair in 02, that it was a thing, that they wanted mm -hmm. to push it. They so didn't, how, well, they they didn't even know that he was like, undefeated. Yeah. Giant Gonzalez. Like, they could have easily had Undertaker not be able to take Giant Gonzalez off his feet and just grab a chair and hit Gonzalez over the head and get DQ'd. 
Right. Sure. To keep the to keep heat and the streak never would have been a thing. They yep. the Undertaker would have lost by DQ at WrestleMania nine. There's like ten years where like they could have fucked it up and they didn't even know that they would have fucked up the streak. Like and it became wow. bigger than the world title eventually. Like uh, which yeah. is crazy, like to think about. But yeah, it started by him beating Snuka at the Los Angeles Coliseum in front of one hundred thousand fans. Oh no! Oh no! That's not happening. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry. They went to LA Sports Arena. It was like seventeen thousand fans. Oh, uh, so no. yeah, that's that's where it started. WrestleMania <laughs> Seven. Yeah. The there same card where uh, Macho Man and Warrior had their retirement match, and the same card where Hogan beat Slaughter to win yeah. his world title back. That's how long The Undertaker's been around. Like, if you really think about that, it's fucking crazy. Because you've always said your favorite streak match was Jimmy Snuka, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah got the, uh... <laughs> of course. <laughs> Taker, not not murderer, would align with Jake Roberts to begin a feud with the Different Ultimate time. Warrior. Uh, turned the house show circuit in body bag matches. Uh, one year after his debut, not the not uh, Warriors, the Undertaker would defeat Hulk Hogan at the Survivor oh, Series, really? 1991, uh, and win his first WWF Heavyweight Championship. It's got to be shenanigans involved, though, brother. After the clean. interference of Ric Flair sliding a steel chair in the ring. For the Undertaker to Tombstone Hogan on. Let's talk about this bullshit. Yeah, that's one of the worst tombstones ever. ever, But um, before we bash that, um, one year after he debuts, he beats Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship. Again, can we, a lot of people. Can we just, yeah, okay. I know, there's so much that. trivia that I think I can stump people with because, as we like, because this, like I said, this was at the it's tail sad. end. It this, be is, this is when the rocking wrestling era was dying. Well, you would think that, cuz, but people don't. Like, there's a lot of wrestling fans sad. now that don't like the added or the ruthless regression area was like their junior high years. And yeah, like you ask so Undertaker beat crazy. for the world title for the first time, no one's ever going to say Hogan. They, they might say Vicious, so they might say someone, but I don't know. If I don't say Hogan. Say those names, honestly. Right, they're going to be like, oh, wasn't it Austin? Hart? They don't even know who Sid Vicious is. Hart. True. Yeah. Was it Batista? Um, but can we, I mean, do we want to spend enough time talking about the uh, the politics? It should have been me, Brett the Hitman Hart, not that Where, where Taker felt guilty for about a month. They thought he really hurt Hogan when he didn't on that. There was a lot of, you know, Hogan. Well, you, you held me where I couldn't move. Well, that was the oh, brother. <laughs> Hogan's, Undertaker's always been really safe with it. Hogan, Hogan and Vince, they were having, they were falling out here. And uh, the steroid, the accusations of the steroids were coming out, and everything was getting really messy here. And uh, if you go back and watch the end of this, when Flair slides the chair in the ring, Hogan's head was like eight goddamn inches from even hit, touching the it chair. It never touched the chair. Terrible. Yeah, and they did the whole stretcher job where Hogan got taken out, which was all part of the show. But in the back, they said Hogan, uh, Undertaker said later Hogan came back and he went and told Vince, like, oh, I don't know, man. He's not very safe with that movie. Drop me on my head. And Taker's like, I thought I did. He's like, I swear to God, I didn't feel his head hit. I, I knew I protected him. But then he said, you know, you can't go online right now and just watch something that just happened or whatever. That, yeah. So he had to wait. And, and wait later. Said, a while later, he's like, I got the VHS and I watched it. He's like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't even come close. Like, dude, shut up. Like, 
Hogan's like, oh, I'm on my back. It fell well, out. Then, oh, then brother, like, no, it was, was, I didn't hit the chair. Was, you, you, you held me too tight, and I had nowhere oh, to go. I shit my pants, brother, right in the ring. Well, guys, it was when, from when he brother. slammed Andre, he ripped everything in the back, back, so he was already kind of like on end. <laughs> yeah, so everything was like scotch taped together. And then he, he, he agreed to take it. He agreed to take it, knowing that he could die that night in Texas. <laughs> Wait, that, was that, that wasn't in Texas. That was the rematch, right? Oh, it works. It all works. It's I, fine. Yeah. I'm going to stop talking now. Fucking stupid Hogan. You know what? I always looked at it like from where I was at that point to where I was at the beginning, I was in a completely different spot. So I didn't have to carry a grudge. I I, I treated him with the respect that I think that for what he did for the business, he deserved. So I treated him that way. I was not overly friendly, but I did, you know, if he was in the building, I always made sure to say hello and engage him in conversation. But, you know, I've always, like I said, from that Tuesday in Texas, when I got that answer, I I knew all I needed to know about him. And, um, you know, and, and that's the way I always, then, you know, my radar was always up anytime that I had to, you know, interact with him, but I, but I dealt with him. I dealt in a professional manner with him. Did you, uh, in a story, however, WWF president Jack Tunney ordered a rematch between the two at this Tuesday in Texas, Jack six Tunney. days later. What? Unequivocally, this match must, like, Jack Tunney had no We must have a rematch. You saw the string. The like, hey, this is controversial. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and Hogan that's where the. didn't hit the chair. And that's where the Undertaker <laughs> lost <laughs> the title. The title back. full of shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> You guys are burying the lead the whole time. The Undertaker lost the title back to Hogan for people that don't know this. Um, shut up. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys want to talk shit over like the most important part. Oh, sorry. Like, come what? on. It is yeah, Craig, yeah, Craig, you're so noisy right now. Like, <laughs> Craig's just like, the Bills better fucking win next week. God damn it. Come on. Better fucking win. Um, they will. <sighs> however... Due to the controversial endings of the two matches between The Undertaker and Hogan, the title was vacated from Hogan the next night by Tunney. The company was without a WWF champion until Ric Flair earned it by winning the 1992 Royal Rumble match. That's a piece of shit. I got to get my title back, brother, and then see you later, brother. But I got to go. Yeah. I got to make a movie. Shit. I don't like any of this, brother. Yeah, I'm leaving. But I'll tell you, uh, it, did, it did make to one of the best Royal Rumble, one of the best Royal Rumbles we've seen, and it still holds up to this day, I would say. So it's, it's, it's I don't mind it. It's Ric Flair. Look Come on, Hogan guys. created for you guys, you ungrateful fucks. Look at what he did for you. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, geez. Um, the Undertaker would continue his alliance with Jake Roberts until he prevented Roberts from hinting Miss Elizabeth with a chair. How was dare you? for me, brother. Macho, just. Come on, can you buy her a beer? Come on, what are you doing? Brother, this turned the Undertaker's face. Fa- time champion, not a six-time champion, brother. Is he going to be a face, this, brother? What the fuck are we doing here? This turned the Undertaker face, of all things, and set oh. the stage for WrestleMania 8, where he would defeat Jake Roberts. He would feud with Kamala for the remainder of 1992. Sorry, Mark. Sorry about your bad luck, but that's just the way. That's just them's the breaks. On January 11, 1993, the Undertaker would main event the first ever yeah, Monday Night Damian Raw Demento. and defeat Damian Demento. The Undertaker with the middle. Down with the tombstone. That could be it. Oh, my. Yeah. 
Get the body bag. Here is your the Undertaker, victorious. At WrestleMania 9, The Undertaker would defeat Giant Gonzalez in a DQ in a horrific match. I think it's zero stars. Might even be minus by most of you. Um, he would unfortunately feud with Gonzalez through the summer, defeating him at SummerSlam of 1993. The Undertaker would set his sights on Yokozuna and win the WWF Championship. No, he wouldn't win. Huh? Oh, and I'm sorry. And the WWF Championship. The feud culminated in the championship casket match at the Royal Rumble in January of 1994. During the match, Yokozuna sealed the Undertaker in a casket with the assistance of a multitude of Hill wrestlers hired by Yokozuna's vindictive manager, Jim Cornette, and Mr. Fuji. Man, that's a, that's a lot of work in there. Do it, cuz. Which, in retaliation for Bear's casket match stipulation... Do a Cornette impress in putting Yokozuna... <laughs> Yeah, put Undertaker in a casket. <laughs> oh, Dave, I want you to read this next paragraph <laughs> with every <laughs> bit of emotion you ever have had in your body, please. I got it. Oh, Unless Cuz wants to do that impression first. He's no, just just do the, just do this. All right. coming. After being trapped inside the casket by the pack, green vapor emitted from the casket and the arena lights went out. No. Undertaker oh, then appeared from inside the casket oh, oh. on the video screen representing the spirit of his dead corpse warning that he would produce a future rebirth of himself, explaining to his antagonist that he cannot and will not rest in peace. But then he did. And he floated out of the fucking building. Are you serious right now? I you... This is one of my... I hated this fucking moment. Like... <laughs> We were juniors in high school here, and look, I was still young, and I get we came from the rock and wrestling era, and it was all stupid and hokey and over the top, but I, this is why I did not like the Undertaker character. He legitly floated out of the building. <laughs> Quick trivia, does everybody know who the Undertaker, who was in the Undertaker costume when Undertaker floated out of the building? Ole Anderson. Mario Gennetti, right? Mario Gennetti, yeah. Really? Yep. So, they, so what it was, yeah. yeah, for people, they put him in the casket, they get the casket down the aisle, the lights go out, green, uh, uh, green smoke comes out, and then uh, Undertaker comes up on the on the Titan Tron, and he's like, blah, 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 I'm not going to die, not I'm gonna go, I gotta go away, I got injuries and shit, I gotta heal, and so like, but you, you saw the lining of the casket like it was shooting him from inside the casket, and then he was like, uh, fear not, I will be back, rest in, or I will not rest in peace. Then you just see this fucking figure in a trench coat, in Undertaker's hat, out of the top of the Titantron, all the way up through the top of the building, and it was Marty Jannetty in the costume. Do you know how I know like, it was Marty Jannetty? It's because like, as he's going up, he like took a bump. Like <laughs> He probably really thought he was... You don't mean like a wrestling bump, you mean like a bump? Yeah, yeah, a bump of coke. Wait a minute. What, just a minute. Uh, what is going on? What is going on? I don't believe what I'm seeing. I don't know what I'm seeing. 
off the yeah, jacket. Just to be clear, it was above a cocaine. Yeah. It was like a line that he snorted all the way up. Yeah, uh-huh. so that was, I hated that so much, so See, much when it happened. I was like, my God. Like, And I know things get more crazy during the Attitude Era, but back here, junior high Jess could not, or not, yeah, yeah no, what, how, no, it was uh, junior high school. I could not junior handle this shit. I could not handle it. I know wrestling's hokey. I know people are like, what are you talking about? You're watching no, fake pro wrestling. How can I handle it? I just could not handle Undertaker floating out of the building. I hated him even more back here. Even more. Yeah. It's a reason to get booed. Just saying. The Undertaker did not appear. I would say he being not Marginetti, but the Undertaker did not appear. The Marginetti also did not appear. <laughs> and the, he, he didn't appear for seven months either. But uh, the Undertaker didn't appear <laughs> for seven months after his loss to Yokozuna. In reality, he was given time off to allow a back injury to heal. He would be reborn at SummerSlam 94. We're all excited about it when he defeated shit. himself. An imposter Undertaker was introduced Chains. by Ted DiBiase a couple of months before the pay-per-view. He claimed even the Undertaker had a prize. And that was Brian <laughs> Lee, right? Brian and Lee. was now part of the Million yeah, Dollar Lee. Corporation. Chains. Remember, Shawn Michaels, I'm the one who brought the Undertaker to the World Wrestling Federation the first time. And I am the one who has brought him back. Hey. So without any further ado, as I promised, oh, no. because right. I'm a man of my word, right here at the Heartbreak Hotel, I give you once again, from the dark side, the Undertaker. All right. I saw the hearse earlier. He wasn't in it. The real Undertaker now replacing his no, I thought it was Marty Jannetty. tie and boot covers with bright <laughs> yeah. purple. Probably was. Probably was Jannetty. Full time Marty Jannetty. Under, under Faker was Marty Jannetty. That would have been awesome. Marty's who, like, I'm going to get such a push. Well, who, I who was, uh, I mean, there's your quiz. Who was the imposter Undertaker, Chess? Brian, Brian Lee. Brian Lee? James yeah. from DOA. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and uh, so, and and but the funny thing was, that, you know, the rebirth of the Undertaker. You would think he would look totally different. No, he looked exactly the same, except splash of purple. His gray tie was purple. The band around his hat was now purple, and he wore yeah. purple leg warmers. Like that—that's the rebirth of the Undertaker. Like so, that was you know, you know, like in video games when you choose the same character to face. Like you know, yeah. you're playing Mortal Kombat and you pick Raiden like to face. Yeah. One Raiden will have a blue like skirt, like you know, around his uh, a blue belt, and the other one will have an orange belt, so you can tell the difference. That was this Undertaker versus Undertaker. Yeah. Like the real Undertaker was purple, and then the old one was gray. Hey, so you can tell the difference. It's Ken and Ryu Street Fighter, exact same body, just different face, yeah. different hair color. Yeah. 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 I get it. <sighs> Seeking retribution, the Undertaker revisited his feud with Yokozuna and eventually faced him in another casket match at the 1994 Survivor Series. Chuck Norris portraying his Walker <laughs> Texas oh, Rangers. No hey. way. <laughs> <laughs> Was involved in the match as a special guest Super enforcer, Jeff preventing uh, interference yeah. from wrestlers that Yokozuna, Jim Cornette, Wait, and Chuck Mr. Norris Fuji. super kicked Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah he spun kicked, kicked him or whatever. Yeah. And then Jarrett like bumped awesome. back or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, the little back roll. You know, you know <laughs> what I, you know what I miss is all the, <laughs> I miss all the. Yeah, <laughs> I got kicked. <laughs> Do you guys? Am I the ah, one I got who kicked. Miss, am I the one who misses all the Chuck Norris memes? Like you see, nah, I know I miss them too. Oh, I know. Split yeah. in half. Chuck Remember Norris on Conan o- the Conan O'Brien show, they had the Chuck Norris lever, the Walker the Texas Ranger lever. And he'd oh yeah, lever and he'd play and he would scene. show up. So Just funny. a random clip for Walker Texas. Oh Ranger. yeah, it would be yeah. a clip, and then one time he did show up in the audience. It was funny. Yeah, that's the best. Oh. I miss those. I miss Chuck Norris. Come on, yeah. 
He's still alive. Uh, was, he's still alive. He's still alive. Still kicking. Uh, but also the uh, legitimate the, do- the dodgeball uh, movie. Um, fucking Chuck Norris. Fuck. Oh, that's right. Ben still at the end. <laughs> fucking Chuck Norris. I won that tournament. <laughs> fucking Chuck Norris. Um, unable to rely <laughs> on much as far as interference this time was uh, was uh, this time around due to Norris averting the attempts to several hero wrestlers. Yokozuna was defeated by the Undertaker and sealed. In the casket. Throughout most of 1995, Undertaker feuded with members of Ted DiBiase. He floated out in March and he was dressed up as. Now, I was, that's why I was laughing. I, was, I imagine like a 500 pound man being lifted to the Titan Tron, like out of the <laughs> arena. And it's Marty Chidetti in a fat suit. <laughs> Chidetti was like a- <laughs> Okay, your job now is to create that uh, for an Instagram post later, Craig. That's what that's. Just get it done. Get it done. Uh, he, uh, not Chidetti, Undertaker would defeat IRS at the beginning of the year, beat King Kong Bundy. Bunny, you wrote Bunny. I did King Kong Bunny. <laughs> King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania 11. Yeah, and closed the year out by feuding with King Mabel. Wow, everything's fine. <sighs> sorry, sorry, Mark. Sorry. About and on that. a side note, real quick too, K- uh, Mabel accidentally really hurt him. When he dropped the leg, he shattered uh, the orbital bone of the Undertaker. So there was a period at the end of that year where Undertaker wore like a Phantom of the Opera mask. And it was was purple. It was to protect his orbital socket while it healed. Hey, if if basketball players can do it, Dead Man can do it. So Cody Rhodes could do it. How did that happen? So you, because it's all fat, right? Is it the weight that just crushed the orbital bone? Was it like a bone that hit bone? He probably sat on him with his ass. Jeez. <laughs> like, yeah, went to, you know what I mean? Like, went to the leg drop and sat on We'll have to go back and try to find it. Just find it on YouTube. Right? Oh, went, my wow. God. Did he no-sell oh. that? You fucking. <laughs> wow. He sit up from that? Yeah. In the main wow. event of the Royal Rumble in 96, um, he, not, not Mabel, but The Undertaker was in a WWF Championship match against Bret Hart. The Undertaker was eventually able to hit the Tombstone Piledriver on Bret but Diesel interfered, costing The Undertaker the championship. Taker would defeat Diesel at WrestleMania 12 on March 31st of 1996. And I downplayed it on purpose. The streak is still raging on here, man. He's still yeah, winning every is. WrestleMania match. Stretching the power scoops up big daddy cool. No! Stretch him up! No! With a tombstone! No! Oh! He's hard enough to put him away! Wonder how the yep. Diesel mm-hmm. beats him. Sorry. Um, he being Undertaker and not Diesel would finish 1996 in a few with Mankind at SummerSlam of 96. The Undertaker would lose in a boiler room brawl match after his longtime manager Paul Bearer struck him in the head with the urn at the oh. rematch. So I, I remember bre- starting to kind of warm up to the Taker character at this point because they were trying something different. Like, first, first of all, we all like Cactus Jack. And so when he first came in as Mankind, we were like, fuck it, thank God. Like, this is when Vince really started. If you look back to the seeds that were planted for like 98, 99 that would come later, a lot of shit had to happen in 96. We've talked about it many times. Uh, 
We're going to release uh, an episode, or actually, we have released in our archives, Stone Cold Steve Austin 1997 year. This the stuff started moving around because WCW was buying up all the stars, and late in 96, the NWO started. People started just fucking jumping over to WCW. So Vince had to just bring people in, like Mick Foley, who had been fired by WCW, hire a new guy named Dwayne. Uh, something i don't remember he became the pebble or the rock i don't remember and like and steve austin who came in as a ringmaster and mark marrow and they had to just figure out like how to make this work and taker was there during this whole transition so what we didn't cover was after that rock and wrestling era died in 91 92 and hogan goes away piper goes away savage goes away all that taker still around we mentioned that he faced diesel he fa he was still around during all this shit he faced brett when after Brett mm -hmm. became champion. So Taker was the kingpin. Vince really like leaned on him hard here. And I think that we need to like acknowledge that because true. Vince was like, okay, wait a minute. I don't want to put the title on him necessarily, but he's really over. Everybody loved The Undertaker. Everybody at this point. Wrestling was going through a downturn and a dip. But what Vince was thinking was, wait a minute, I have this, <laughs> this guy who's instantly over. He'll be my mid-card guy. Not that Taker was a mid-card guy. Don't misunderstand me. But I can put him in the mid-card against King Kong Bunny, Bunny, the big, he's a big fat bunny, uh, and then uh, uh, IRS or whoever, or King Mabel or whatever, he'll be my mid, middle of the card guy. Um, so he kind of redefined, redefined what a mid card guy meant. Undertaker was by far not a mid card guy, but he was in the middle of the card so I could work on my Bretts and my Shawns and my Diesels and figure out what I want to do on the top for the world title picture. And Taker would bounce in and out, like we just read, he challenged Brett, he would face Diesel things like that. Taker was such an important part here while Vince was really floundering and trying to figure out how to figure out WCW and how to beat them back. And they were buying all of the old big names and all that stuff. Vince used Taker here to really like insert him and really just be like, well, at least I have the, like my, my card won't collapse. I have Taker so I could fuck around on the top of the card all I want to. I got Taker though. And that's a, that's a big deal. I think to this day, I think that's why Vince and, and Taker love each other so much and why they respected each other because you got to think about it. During his worst time, when he was getting beat up a little bit here from the competition and he was losing talent and Hogan was old and Savage was old. And, and they, were, they were stuck in the muck together, man. Yeah, exactly. And and it was almost like what Hogan and Vince were when they first started, when they broke the territory. Yeah, that was, there was a lot was, more success there right take, away, though. Taker was, was with Vince. Yeah, you're right. Success in dollar-wise probably showed more with Hogan. But but Vince and Taker were in the lowest part of wrestling they were in history in American wrestling. Yeah, sure. they were in yeah. the shit together. and. Uh, I think that can't be understated. I had to pause for a minute because, like, really, like, no, honestly. And then you get Mankind in there, and you got this great character that Vince is like. Jim Ross pushed that guy down uh, Vince's throat, and he's like, no, this guy's going to be perfect, Vince, for Taker. Like, they're both mm -hmm. kind of supernatural, kind of Mankind's crazy and will fucking fall off Rod anything and, and do whatever. And they just, yeah, they're... The chemistry was so good. And we hear Mick yeah. Foley on his podcast now talk about Taker. He's like, he was my first program. I debuted the day yeah. after WrestleMania 12, and they put me right away with The Undertaker. So if anyone's going to be like parent. fully thumbs up or fully thumbs down, it was going to be Mark. It was going to be The Undertaker. He would tell you and right Taker away. was like, oh, this guy fucking gets it, man. Like, he's good. Mm -hmm. And you know, he really helped launch Foley's career in the WWF, Taker. Yeah. Like, in an indirect this, this, is a, this is a wild time. Yeah. So much could have one different opinion, one more ego going a little higher could have changed everything. I mean, they were so they were desperate, right? If you didn't have somebody with the with the merit and someone who was like really an honest man, like the Undertaker, 
uh, you know, if you had imagine if you had Hogan there in the trenches at the time when everything was bad with Vince. Well, he doesn't have the body, know, brother. I don't know about everybody that came in, but Taker was just like, no, put me with this guy. And you know, as a matter of fact, we'll have Paul Bear turn on me, and I'll I'll lose. What? Yeah, like we got to make this guy. We have to make this mankind guy. We have to. And like I I really respect him for that. You know, looking back as we get older, yeah, I hated that character when he no sold and all that stuff. But looking back on like. Dude, Taker just understood it from the beginning. And him and Vince clicked from the start. You know, he was really the second Hogan behind the scenes. He when might you be think the best. Because yeah. Vince yeah. trusted Hogan in the beginning. And then after Hogan left, Vince is like, I need someone as my anchor. When you look at it, when you look at it now, was that guy. Hogan may have held the title for like three or four years in one stint, but Taker had the longest run within the, the industry under as Vince. the trusted veteran in the back. As a trusted you know? guy in the back. And honestly, yeah. all what Undertaker could have said, man, like, that guy's not really very safe. He hurt me in the boiler room match, Vince. Never, never, the, uh, like, yeah. could have politic to destroy him off the bat instead of making it's, him. It's funny. Never, never happened. Most, the most respected, trusted, iconic, and probably one of the, the biggest wrestlers in wrestling history is named Mark. Yeah. <laughs> well said. I, mean, I was thinking about well that when it's Mark Calloway were all Marks. Yeah. He's the, the all-time Mark. Right well said. At their rematch at Survivor Series, one month after Taker was buried alive in a match now. against Mankind, he would lower from the ceiling of Madison Square Garden in a new bat-type gimmick with wings and all. Oh, God. At WrestleMania 13. No, this was added- rough, too, and I don't want to – I know – I'm sorry, Dave. I know it's not red, but, like, you know, we're going to get into a part here where they were – so even at, behind the scenes, he was Vince's fucking strength, right? But um, but on screen, they were kind of struggling to kind of figure out who Taker was. Like, he was the dead guy, you know, at the end of the 1990, 1991, 1992. But they're like, how do we modernize him? How do we make him? And I remember that Madison Square Garden match. It didn't go over well. He was lowered from the top on a cable. And he didn't he have bat wings on? Because he had a big cape on. He was like, he had bat he, wings or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was like a de- like it was a more demonic exactly Undertaker. That. Like, yeah, it was like so he was like trying to be reborn, like you know, like uh, to to combat Paul Bear and Mankind who had joined each other. Born, no, I don't want to do purple this time. I want to be a bat yeah. or something different. So oh, like uh, it was. I remember this time being a very awkward phase for the Undertaker because the character had to go through a change backstage, as we just talked about. He was completely trusted, so he wasn't going fucking anywhere. But like on screen, I remember as a fan going, "Ah, Undertaker's kind of like what are we? What are they? What are you going to do with him? You know what? Yeah, what are we yeah. going to do here? Yeah." Well, I, so, uh, I, hope, but his, I hope you like the bat gimmick because at WrestleMania 13, the Undertaker would defeat Sid to win his second WWF championship. And that's what but he wasn't, like. though, actually. So he came back for that one event as the old Undertaker with the gray hat, you know, the original. He came back in his retro stuff and defeated Sid at 13. So I think Vince and then and then he ch- and then he started changing gradually after that, too. But I think Vince kind of dropped the to whole bat thing. Real. Like, uh, so yeah, it's like it was, was it like a one night only with that, that gimmick where he just kind of went back yes. like this isn't working. Came back, new- yeah. in the old thing. Yeah. Yeah. The winner of this match and new World Wrestling Federation champion. So The Undertaker would challenge Shawn Michaels to the first ever Hell in a Cell match to take place at Bad Blood in your house. There's a mouthful. Despite the inclusion of the cell for more order and to prevent Michaels from receiving help from his D-Generation X stable, 
The encounter ended up being considered amongst one of the Undertaker's best matches of his career. Still one start of the best that too. If you go too. back to SummerSlam '97 when uh, Brett beat Undertaker for the title, uh, that's probably. Oh the, yeah. To this day, it's it's my favorite, and the the last thirty seconds of that match is the best ending sequence I've Michael ever seen in my ref. life. Like, yeah, like Sean was a special guest referee, yep. and Brett spit in his face, a real legit loogie right in his fucking face. And so they did a thing where Sean, Brett was going to bring a chair in. Sean grabs a chair from him. And then Sean, Sean's like, no, you can't use a chair. Brett spits in his face. So Sean grabs the chair to hit Brett. Brett ducks. I mean, he fucking clocks Undertaker right in the face. And yep. as he counts the pin, he looks at Brett in the eyes after every count. So he's all one and he stares at Brett two and he says it right again and three and he rolls out and sean's all fuck like because sean knew like taker's gonna kill me now like yeah, because i fuck. fucking counted him down you started like, it was the, it was the most pat patterson brilliant fucking ending i've it's ever great. seen oh, <laughs> and no. then dave, dave goes in here too to the to the hell in the cell what do you say right like so much shit happened in this match like first <laughs> of good, all, thing no one, good thing no one challenged yeah. brett to a spit, spit so seemingly about to emerge <laughs> oh, you already talked about this right um no oh, no wait, we didn't Yes, yeah, seemingly about to emerge the victor after striking Michaels with a chair shot of his own. The Undertaker was interrupted by his storyline half-brother, ding, 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 Kane. For those of you that was wondering when that was coming back in. Remember, Switch guys, finally, remember? like in the back. Finally, like, brother loves like, I told you. No it's gonna WWE work. diehards. No WWE yeah. diehards. Finally making his debut under right the now. control of Paul Bearer with, I think, lighter hair, if I'm not mistaken. Kane ah. stormed the arena. Oh, ripped off his... <laughs> Sorry, I can think of the He's alive, Undertaker! <laughs> oh my god, I told you! Oh, oh my god! Her fucking no, I, mother! I, I can't say I can't say like Elson stuff. I just can't. I can't. Oh, um oh, ripped off the cell tour, laid out a non plus non plus Undertaker? I no no, I just copied one. that and I realized right now what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> that's a laid out that's a laid out Undertaker is what that wow. is. With his own tradi- or tra- uh, yeah, traditional trademark finisher. The tombstone pile driver allowing Michaels to pin him for the victory. I don't. I mean, if you haven't seen the Undertaker and Sean Hell in the Cell match, do you, are you a wrestling fan? Can you say Still that about yourself? If you've never seen that? Still one That's of the terrible. best Hell in Cell matches. It might be uh, the yeah. best. Still, I mean, there's been a lot of good it's ones. Still, I, I mean. As far as storytelling from beginning to end, you know, it's yeah. still it's one of the better the, ones. The feud with Kane closed out 1997 and began 98 with two brothers reuniting, only to have Kane oh, turn yeah. on Taker again, setting up their WrestleMania 14 match. Taker, um, imagine that would win after a sloppy affair there. You just can't put two like big men in the ring like this. Come on. Well, I, we talked about it too on the past thing not. too. Like the storylines are really good with Kane and Undertaker. Obviously, we remember the Lightning, the Inferno matches, all but that. Then you uh, got all, their, all their matches were shit. Ding-ding. I hated their matches so much. There's just two oh. guys ugh, <laughs> like just fucking hitting each other and mouth breathing. Wait, I didn't like it. Cuz disagrees a little mouth bit. Breathing. Do you? 
No, I don't think. I don't think no, the matches suck. I mean, I like the Tombstone pile drivers in that match. But but, but the the storyline. Well, we talk about story. Also story getting, was great. I love. The we're story. getting into an era here where storylines like became like uh, they're soap opera. They were like totally, yeah. Yeah. you know, lightning yeah. out of their hands and shit. Which we're I making movies, pal. Too, but I, I can never. Yeah. I never. Yeah, I can never stand that stuff. But Dave, we'll talk about hero. One of our all unforgiven in your house. The two would face off in an inferno match on April twenty eighth of nineteen ninety eight. Undertaker would win that match after Kane's arm. Was set on. Is fire. that the one where the dude was actually on Kane camera to adjusting the fire? Sorry. Like you what? could see the guy who was supposed to handle the inferno, and you could see like the the flames go up and down based on his like no, that was turning later, knobs, wasn't it? I can't remember. Was that ninety eight? Like were the, were the fires all along the ringside? You're talking about? Yes, he sets a ring crew guy on fire or something, right? Okay. I can't. That, I that's know. what I remember. Or then someone was in the tower. I just remember every big match that came would do, the fire would shoot up. up. I don't think that was here, but it could have been. Got it. When Bret Hart came out, Lugies came out. <laughs> just, just, he put all the fire <laughs> out with, with spitting on it. He's like, yeah. I, be, I believe that for sure. I think that happened. Um, the Undertaker and Mankind's wildly violent outlandish feud from over, a previ- from over a year previous to this point was revitalized over the next month, ultimately taken to a new graphic height and decisively resolved when they faced each other at Hell in a Cell match at King of the Ring. The match the most iconic Hell in would become uh-huh. one of the most famous matches in professor, professional wrestling history. Excuse me. During the match, The Undertaker threw Mankind off the roof of a 16-foot cell onto the broadcast table below, and what was a pre-planned move? Uh, you know, I I know Foley doesn't. He always says it now. He's like, obviously, that's going to be the most match that I'm famous for. But he didn't want it to be. You know, it's like it. He wanted sure. a WrestleMania moment. Well, yeah, he was at like they were. He was at this flux with his character too. So, and they had already fought a lot. And so, out of nowhere, Vince is like, "Oh yeah, you and Taker are going to take on each other at King of the Ring in a Hell in a Cell." And um, and Foley's like, "God, I mean, just out of nowhere, we're just going to kind of." Like restart that shit again, and he's like, "Yeah," and so they're all right. So you start talking to the Undertaker. It's like, "Well, what can we do different?" Like our feud's been kind of like, you know, dead for a year and a half. Like, you know, what do we do? And then uh, that's when they started talking. I think Terry Funk's like, "Why don't you start going to the top of the cage?" And he was like, "Well, why don't we do that? We'll climb up there and we'll we'll fight on top of the cage. Like we no one's ever seen that. We'll start the match there." And that's when Foley started going like, "I bet I could, I bet I could make that table." And Taker's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you could throw me off, and I bet I can make that table. And Taker didn't want to do it. He's like, no, I'm not throwing you off the fucking cage. And he's like, how no, many I- times did Taker say no? And everyone's like, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, and Foley was like, no, I think I can do it. Like, it's a bump. It's a bump, right? He's like, I can bump if I, I'll flip in midair. It's just a longer fall. So I'll flip in the middle and I'll land on the table. Like, I'll bump. It'll be fine. And like so somehow finally out of nowhere, Taker's like, all right, I'll fucking throw you off the cage. The, like, the, the Loomis the eyes like, are coming in on this one, guys. I'm just like it's crazy. Uh, you know, and everyone talks about it, but I really believe that more people have talked about it than actually go back and watch it. To this day, even though it's overhyped, if you guys have recently even gone back and watched it, it's still breathtaking as fuck. Like I oh, still yeah. watch I, that going, Oh my god. I was gonna like, say there's no cushion under yeah. that table, you know. It's still breathtaking. Like, I was gonna say still, if, I, if there's VHS. if there's any VHS or DVD that you show someone's like I don't understand what I was saying. Like, what's good about it? like show me like moments that you've stopped with guests in your house. You'd be like, okay, watch this. Why do you like wrestling? Watch this, and then this like moment you always show them Hell in a Cell. Like it's the number and one I, moment to be like, this is the coolest shit. You think wrestling's it, fake? You think it's not dramatic? Pushed that particular move. God.
The next one scares me a lot more. Yeah. This yeah. is where the drama of that entire really match went bad. Begin yeah. to end. Head, on the back Taker of head performed like a chokeslam on Mankind through the roof of the cell, which they were supposed to stay there, but that cell uh, ceiling fell through, and he legitimately went through to the bottom of the ring, and that knocked Mankind on unconscious. Um, and also been jumping from the top of the ring to the ring, top of the cell of the ring canvas, Taker suffered a broken ankle. Um, there's a small thing here I think that's missing is that I'm pretty sure Mick Foley's tooth was breathing through his nose at this moment when he was on his back. Went through his is that lip. right? Foley thought that it was like froth that he was pushing through and then he realized later like, tooth. oh, his, he swallowed his own tooth, but it came up through a sinus. Through his, his nasal, nose his nasal his cavity. Yeah. And I'm just like, that scared me more than the previous move because I saw that. And I'm just and like, Undertaker with a previous, he already had like a, he had an injured ankle. And when he dropped down from the top of the cage to the ring and he landed, you'll watch Undertaker start step. He shakes and he it off. Yeah. Ankle. Like, yeah, he broke, but and it was already he heavily shakes taped. It off and finishes yeah, the match. It was already heavily taped under the boot. That's the only reason why he was able to keep going because it was already supported to keep walking. And his adrenaline was flowing and, you know, the, the, of course. the performance. Um, escalating as things progressed, blood flowed from most wrestlers <laughs> after they attacked each other with still steps, chairs. The yeah, there was wall. more to the match. Like it was a goddamn. It was like just, car just, wrecks, and then they had a yeah, match. The, ki- like. the kitchen sink. Yeah, this is where it starts. Topping it off, mankind introduced multitudes of thumbtacks scattered across the ring canvas, but was back body dropped onto them and subsequently choke slammed onto them before the Undertaker won the match with a tombstone pile driver. I do have to stop here for a second because I believe from all the interviews we hear after, mankind doesn't remember any of this. He doesn't remember the thumbtacks. So yeah, so pretty much after he's choke slammed to the ring, he's got a lot of loss, right? Yeah, he walked to the back or whatever, and he apologized to Undertaker and everybody. He's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to get the thumbtacks." And he had thumbtacks all in his face and all over his back. He's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to get." It. And they're like, "No, you did." And he's like, "Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, good. Just, cool. Let's go see my kids good. real quick." Well, I got tacks in my face. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That. That. There's. There's so much documentary on that where his kids are crying they're totally traumatized and you know i just it's wow it's the things the things you put in line for our entertainment i we salute you man that's mick undertaker yeah we were we were too mean back in the day at fully loaded in your house the undertaker and stone cold steve austin defeated kane and mankind <laughs> now they're friends um well man, i guess they're not friends to win the wwf tag team championship yeah. The Undertaker and, and that, and that wasn't the main story. event that let, let, just real quick to go back. That wasn't the main event that, let, that night either. Like, I think Steve Austin had to wrestle Kane after that Hell in a Cell. Kane won the oh, world wow. title. It was like, yeah. how can any, really? anything follow that at all? Like, it's, it wasn't the end. It's like, yeah. what? So, The Undertaker and Austin's reign as tag champs only lasted two weeks as Kane and Mankind regained those titles in a fatal four way tag match on the August 10th edition of Raw. Uh, that would set the table for the Undertaker challenging Steve Austin for the World Championship at SummerSlam of 1998. Steve Austin would defeat the Undertaker in that encounter. The Undertaker told Kane before SummerSlam bout that he did not want him interfering, even sending Kane away uh, to the back during the match itself when he appeared there. Even though the Undertaker lost the match at SummerSlam, he handed Austin his championship belt back after the match with a show of respect and sportsmanship.
never gelled. Cool stuff. Like they never gelled. I think Austin talked about that too. He's like, Taker and I just never gelled, like wrestling wise in the ring. We just never got it, like with each other. And it, you sometimes that happens with even legends and everything. Like they, because I remember that SummerSlam uh, '98 match being a huge letdown. Yeah. And yeah. uh, it was just, you know, I think Taker was probably injured too. So was Austin, I'm sure. And uh, it was just, yeah. But Austin said in his podcast often, he's like, we just never gelled, man. Like we just, it didn't work we with us for gelled. some reason. Two Texans, we just didn't gel. What's, what, what's, what's interesting about it is Taker and Austin couldn't gel, but Taker and Michaels was some of the best shit you ever saw. And Taker yeah. and Mankind was amazing, too. Well, it's, 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 a, it's a big man, little man, you know what I mean? Like, if you really yeah. know your role on that, like, those are the best encounters. David and like, Goliath all day, yeah. Best. Yeah, it's what it was. So, yeah, and then, but then you got Taker and Mankind, and you're like, this is the gem. Like, it's it's weird, but, yeah, it it make it, it makes sense, but it makes no sense at the same time. <clears throat> In September, as the storyline would mature, Undertaker subtly, uh, I'm sorry, subtly uh, began showing some heel characteristics, becoming a bit of a tweener. This began when he and Kane revealed the fact that they were in cahoots to rid Austin of his title for villainous company owner, Mister Vincent <sighs> Kennedy McMahon. Fuck. Austin and McMahon immersed in a bitter rivalry during this era. Um, which is huge. At Breakdown in Your House, The Undertaker and Kane were booked in a triple threat match with Austin for the uh, WWF yeah. Championship, in which McMahon stated that the brothers were not allowed to pin each other. Wow. The Undertaker and Kane pinned Austin simultaneously after a double choke slam, ending the match in a no contest, so the title was vacated by Mr. McMahon. This event led to a match at Judgment Day in Your House between Taker and Kane for the title. With Austin as a special guest referee. Yeah. Because obviously Vince is being a dick. Uh, near the end of the match, Paul Bearer seemed about to assist Kane by handing him a steel chair to hit Taker with it. But as Kane had his back turned, both Bearer and Undertaker hit Kane with the chair shots. We're turning it back, baby. The Taker went for the pin, but Austin refused to count the, fa- the fall, attacked the Undertaker, and oh. counted out both of them. You I'm son of a bitch. Yeah. I forgot how to count. Finally, <laughs> The Undertaker turned heel the next night on Raw for the first time since 1992, reconciling with wow. Bearer and claiming that he and Bearer would unleash their ministry of darkness on the WWF. I like, I like this fact. As part of that new storyline angle, The Undertaker admitted that he had indeed intentionally set the fire that killed his parents and scarred Kane for what she had previously blamed on Kane. I killed uh, everybody. <laughs> After the build-up, his second heel run in the latter part of 98, The Undertaker introduced an updated version of his dead man identity in January of 99, a dark priest-like character who in the initial period of his persona reigned over a stable known as the Ministry of Darkness. Jess, you want to come in on this one? I enjoyed it. Uh, well, Cuz liked it. I thought, again, I really felt like they were struggling with him here. They were trying to make the dead man gimmick. We're going to get really quick. Actually, where we're going to cut this episode off, where he finally really reinvents himself and just does something totally different. But oh, they yeah. were still trying to figure out a way to like let him be the Undertaker the still, work. but modernize yeah. it. So they were trying to cult gimmick. They were trying a bunch of different things. I never connected with it personally because his different. I like opinion, the music. Well, I like fine. the mu- I like the music too that he came out to. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too, me too. Like I, I did song. like that as well. I awesome. just I. You got to figure in the background while all this is going on. You have The Rock, who is red hot at this point in '99. Uh, you have Austin, who's the man, like in '99. And you had uh, his feud with uh, Vince was at its apex. 
So like yeah. Undertaker was trying to make a character that debuted in 1990 at Survivor Series relevant still. And so I find this uh you, I always I do remember crazy stuff like this. Like I remember these moments, but I'm like, man, I felt like they were really trying what? with him. Vince really I I owe it to you, Mark. I owe it to you to keep you relevant Let's and keep you here with go. me. But they just yeah. couldn't do it. It was weird. Like, and I'm not saying like Cuz remembers it and thinks fondly of it, and that, I think a lot of fans do. But at the same time, like me as a fan at the time, I was just like, man, like they're really trying with him. Like he's not relevant right now. And what's funny, I think I think it was around this time he showed up. Uh, the character was kind of similar to it, but uh, was it uh, Poltergeist? The show Poltergeist? Yeah, so he the took legacy? on a wicked demonic presence much more than before. He often proclaimed to be invoking and taking orders from this higher power. Uh, he appeared in hooded black robes, sat on a throne with a towering backrest with a crucifix-like logo. Is that what you're talking about, Cuz? Yeah, that character. And then just the way he dressed, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It was, it was but, just more well, he demonic, did wear right? the big old robe. Yeah, and yeah, then, he did it, wear a big old robe. As Dave reads ahead, too, like, there's a lot of people in this faction, a lot of good people. I, I remember. Christian, mm-hmm. Midian. <laughs> Midian was in it. Well, some uh, not good people. Wild. <laughs> Mabel Viscera. <laughs> yeah, that's what oh, I meant. Oh, the best. Mabel's the best. Come on. What not, happened to Mabel? Wait, Next no. episode, right? Let's just jump into that. What happened to Mabel? No. So joined the corporation. I, I think we're good. <laughs> I think we're good. Okay, yeah, so uh, like I said, the help of his minions, he would you know perform sacrifice on wrestlers. And the, the completed ministry was uh, the Brood, Christian, Edge, and Gangrel, the Acolytes, Bradshaw, and Farouk. Median and Viscera. It's a lot of lot of people in that. Uh, Callaway himself did not wrestle for a period of time, having undergone that hip replacement. Wow, this guy wow. breaking ankles, replacing hips. As part of the angle, the Undertaker had his ministry members fight his battles, carry out the evil wishes to do all of his dirty deeds. In this manner, he expressed his desires to take over the World Wrestling Federation, displacing its owner, Mr. McMahon, and these ambitions culminate into a rivalry between the ministry and the corporation. Well, I mean, if I run like a cult, like or whatever, my first thing is gonna be like, I want to take over a wrestling company. Like, forget Satan and like, uh, you know, like doing all that. He's like, what's your ambition? Do you want us to, uh, you know, bow to the Dark Lord or whatever? He's like, not so. I mean, I just kind of want to. No, I want to. I, I want to control the book. I, I think they want to take over the Dark Lord. That's Vincent. Man, come on, let's go. I just feel like uh, you know, things need more <laughs> modern around here. Uh, and that resulted in a match between the Undertaker and the Corporation of Force with the big. Uh, it's controversial for sure. The big boss man. Yeah, just pinned him one, two, three, right, just, and then that's no, left. No, oh no, that was it. They 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 hung the boss man from the top of the cage in a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania oh. 15. Just hung him. Was cool. was yeah, that was while, weird. That doesn't age well. Yeah. And even even like the the ministry was up there, they couldn't get off their their suspensions either. Right, they were stuck up there for like minutes, and, and the whole thing it was really bad, right? Because they yeah. came down and hung them up, didn't they? Was that the yes, yeah, they hung, yeah, and they couldn't get out of their suspensions. And Bossman just hung there for like twenty minutes, and yeah. it was really eerie. I'm sure some kids are still PTSD on that. Today. Like the rest of the card, Bossman's like still hanging there. Uh-huh. <laughs> People are wrestling around him, hitting him from the Irish whip into the ropes. Like, fuck, God, dude, boss, man. I still see him. I hope, uh, He's like, you, know, you know, they say when you, when you finally die, you take a dump. I hope he doesn't dump you know, Yeah, in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> gotta make it realistic. Oh, yeah. Shut Come up, shit, boss, man. Boss, man, I know you gotta poop. Oh, Do it, Ray. Do it. It's not safe for work here. It's not safe for work. Therefore, the Undertaker kidnapped 
Stephanie McMahon. Hell yeah. Forcing. Oh, I remember the limo scene. Enter- hmm? The limo <clears throat> scene. Right. Oh, Can yeah. I just remember Undertaker's in the mirror. He's like, hello, Stephanie. <clears throat> hello, Stephanie. It forces Mr. McMahon to enter into a reluctant <laughs> alliance with his longtime nemesis, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Undertaker attempted to marry Stephanie <laughs> before sacrificing her in an eldritch what? ceremony conducted by Paul Bearer. But Austin was able to rescue her. I don't even remember that. That's just—it's weird. I thought they were going for a bigger storyline with this, and then they didn't. Like it's really odd. They just went right back to Vince and Austin after this. Just, just being jerks to each other. That's so funny. But you know, when, 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 when there's a young lady involved, you gotta save her. I guess I don't know. My daughter. Yeah, my daughter. Um, at Over the Edge pay-per-view, The Undertaker defeated Austin for his third WWF championship with the help from Shane McMahon as a special guest referee. Now looks like it's up. Oh, God, wait a minute. Hey, what was that? Shane McMahon just passed out at Austin. What? Shane McMahon just passed out at Austin. And new World Wrestling Federation champion, the the ministry eventually merged from Shane McMahon's Corporation Alliance to form the Corporate Ministry. The Undertaker later revealed that Mr. McMahon had been his higher power all along. It was me all along, Austin. It was me as a shame against Austin. After the Undertaker lost the WWE Championship back to Austin on the Raw following the King of the Ring 1999, and lost to him in a first blood match fully loaded. His relationship with the McMahons dissolved, and the corporate ministry had disbanded. The Undertaker then began a storyline where he teamed with the Big Show in a tag team known as the Unholy Alliance, which held the WWF Tag Team Championships twice. Little, little, little factor there. Just, you know, give and take your gold where you can. Just give him some strap, right? It's all good. After a victory at SummerSlam, the Undertaker suffered a groin tear. God, this guy is going through it. And was seen limping in several matches. My dick. He avoided this. competing in wrestling matches in the following weeks, instead overbearingly ordering Big Show to fight his battles and do all of his dirty deeds. I find that kind of funny. Uh, developing a comedy oh, yeah. horror smart mouth during this time, elements of the take of the Undertaker's trash-talking biker identity that he would eventually introduce in 2000 began peeping out of the woodwork uh, during this phase of his career. To compensate for his lack of physical activity, Taker became increasingly overbearing and vocal, often mouthing off with the weirdness and making sinisterly smart Alec remarks in promos and on commentary. I, I know we're not supposed to pull in here, but that is big. That's kind of a big deal because oh, Taker yeah, he was letting it out already. When Taker can't do the work, and we never covered all, you, all you have is the mic. We kind of right? yada yada past it, but when he started facing Brett at the beginning of '96, yep. there was a part the that promo. Brett wrote in his book where. Uh, Taker came in, he was like super excited and he was like, oh, what do you want to do? And, you know, I, I talked to Vince and, you know, I, I want him to take the shackles off me. I don't want to just be the dead man and sit up and no sell stuff. He's like, I want to wrestle. I can wrestle. And Brett's like, okay, like, let's do it. And so like his matches with Brett, he, you know, Brett was like, I always took that as a badge of honor because Taker came to me almost like an underling. Like, can you please like wrestle me, Brett? Like, can you please like, let me show you that I can wrestle, you know, in the locker room taker was this larger than life character on the, in the ring. He was even bigger than that. Cause he was a dead man sure. gimmick, but in the locker dead room, man. he comes to Brett, like just like cowering, but you know, just like 
please, like I've been wanting to, I want to work. I want to, I want to work in there with you. Like I can wrestle. I, I promise. Like, and Brett's like, okay. And that introduced that. And then here, like Taker was just, he was injured. So he was like doing the, trying to be more witty on the mic and stuff like that and break the character, which we're, you know, we're going to end it soon. We won't talk about this other character that is not a dead man at all. That is, is the opposite of what anything could be. Probably more the real life Mark, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so he started, these are big moments, like Dave said, because Taker really, he's a good pro wrestler. I mean, I know that sounds really weird phrase to say, he's but a really Undertaker good is an excellent pro wrestler. He gets it. And uh, he wants to work. All the best wrestlers want to work. You know, you want to yeah. do your gimmick. You want to make your promoter happy or your boss happy. Make but after money. a while, like really good wrestlers like Austin. Austin's like, I want to fucking work, man. I like I can work. do this. Jim Cornette do said it, uh, when, when Undertaker first started, because Jim Cornette was with him in WCW uh, and, and said he, even after his matches, Undertaker or Mark could... Uh, uh, memorize and recap his matches beat for beat moment for moment every moment he was wanting to do to do better and get better and be a wrestler he was always um cerebral about it and always wanting to do better and always recapping in his head was always like photographic memory of everything he was, so he's always learning so that's awesome makes sense why he just he wanted to wrestle yeah on the september 23rd 1990 edition of smackdown Mr. McMahon threatened that he would remove The Undertaker from the Unforgiven main event if he refused to participate in a casket against Triple H. Undertaker retorted he did not care and maybe he would not be participating in anything with the WWF any longer. And from there, he was walking out on the WWF. In reality, Callaway went on a hiatus from the WWF in order to treat that groin injury that we just talked about. He made his return to action on December 14th teaming with Viscera in a losing effort against Kane and the Godfather, wow, at a house show in Coamo, Puerto Rico. It's amazing. I'm all healed up. I'm going to go wrestle the the dude that broke my orbital bone. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And The Undertaker was advertised on the Armageddon promotional poster to return at December 1999 pay-per-view. But meanwhile, he had tore his pectoral muscle. That's wild. Um, In the match against Mabel, I'm sure. Yeah, and taking him out of the a- of action for almost another eight Just months. Just giving him a tag. Yeah, so I so, stopped it here because the next time the tag. when we see him like again, we'll see him again. Maybe when we see Taker again, he's not the yeah. Undertaker that we know. Yeah, so I wanted to end it here, and we will have a part two for sure. Will we restart the year two thousand and go on? Will he debuts yeah, in man. the year two thousand uh, as the Biker Undertaker, as the American Badass, as the whatever, which. It's funny when you look back, a lot of fans say that's not, they don't care for that. I'm like, that was my favorite. Why? I became that's a the fan. Best part I, it, yeah. I started to become a fan of The Undertaker when he became the biker. I loved the biker yes. gimmick. And oh, then yeah. later on, he was the big red evil. Some of he my did the whole, uh, he was awesome. Like, and then we all know, you know, we'll, we'll get to it in the next episode. He turned back to the dead man in 2004 for WrestleMania 20. But like, he, I love the biker and we're going to cover that, you know, Still but. One uh, of my favorite men- moments yeah moments. we'll end it here so maybe people look forward to the next one because i i Him my personal favorite is the biker taker um i really enjoyed that character a lot yeah. it made me uh, it made me appreciate him and then he was able to wrestle and then after that after he became the biker that's when the streak was realized and then they started really pushing yeah. the streak so they start they 
because he became a good worker, um, not that he wasn't before, well, but she was he was always allowed worker, to more yeah. as the biker taker, and he was more of a modern <clears throat> character that people could relate to, then they started pushing the streak. Then the real legend of The Undertaker like started to kind of like blossom, and awesome. he finally found himself. You know, the whole ah. lowering from the bat in 90, as a bat in 96, and then trying to find himself, and then do the Ministry of Darkness, and the cult leader taker. E That's e all fine. Easy, he had to go e through easy, those phases. Easy, Josie, but... you sold me. You sold me. <laughs> we sold the OWP diet. So, so yeah, so we can end it Stay here. You know, our Craig, Craig, knows, Craig knows the movie on that one. He knows what we were talking about. <laughs> I don't. It's the 200th episode. What do we? What do you guys <laughs> think about him? Uh, obviously, we know our opinion. We've talked about him before. I, I, I think I think uh, we greatly underestimated But what do you think him about the first movie? half of this career, the Dead Man, we, the 1990? We tried to boo him out of too many buildings when we were younger, and we didn't understand yeah. what he was doing and, That's and the so groundwork true. he was laying. Well, rightly so, actually, kind of. Like there were times where he should have been booed out. Yeah, Taker but. versus Taker, SummerSlam, and the floating Again. out of the arena. And there's a lot of garbage. Maddie, and there was Maddie, a lot of it's stuff. Not your fault. It's not your fault, Maddie. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't write. But he has story, such right. a long career. It kind of dilutes the. You know, yeah. yeah. No, it's true. It, That's it's true. Too many great. Moments, it dilutes you know? the good and the bad. Too many great. Too. too many great yeah. matches. Uh, great pro. I, like just said, the biker. That's that's still my my favorite programs. Like him and Hogan. I and, love it. And Flair and you know all these other guys that he was having programs with. Kurt Angle, The Rock. Yeah. Like fucking great. Oh, all, man. All great, man. Dude, that's ten so, years in that you started to like, yeah. all right. Like Yeah. I'm on your yeah. side. Here we, right, yeah. Here we go. We, we we're beginning his tenth year. We just covered ten years of his career in the mm -hmm. WWF. Yeah. Forget what happened before and, and me, Mark yeah, Pellis or WCW whatever. Stuff, yeah. like, and this yeah, is when yeah. Jess just actually started to like him. It's true. Like it took me <laughs> he got to a different character and yeah. I was like, I love this. Yeah. We'll get to that one. Happy two hundred, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah happy 200 episodes. Wow. For yeah. audio fans, time. give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, I'm SoundCloud. I'm going into another radio. dimension behind me. I know. Your end of the podcast, or watch our videos on <laughs> YouTube and our wrestling channel. On social media, can you do us a solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Breaking Twitter the fourth at WP2019 <laughs> or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. Enjoy the purple. Enjoy the 200. For Dave, Jess, and Cuz. This is Craig. Sorry. What? <laughs> With the OWP is one of the This is going back in time. Gin is a hell of a um, drug. <laughs> yeah, it really is good. It's good for you. <laughs> With the OWP signing off, have mm. a good one. Mm.